0: Hey guys, we're going to get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again, a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe there. And also anywhere you can get your podcast. We're just so thankful that you guys are here, uh, that you guys have found us, and that you guys are with us today. All right, so I'm excited for this podcast. As you guys saw on social media, when I put the, kind of out, the teaser out for the podcast, I was like, this is going to be... This is probably going to be one of those ones. And the reason why I say that is because this is one of those things. You know how we say, like, in our intro, right? We've been saying this for seven years, where we learn, where we study, where we grow. You know, I'm not saying this, and I'm not saying everything we've said in the past seven years so you could just do it. I'm saying it because I need it to, right? So I'm doing this, and I'm learning, and I'm studying, and I'm growing with you. And this is going to be one of those ones because this is something – that I struggle with. This is something that's always been an Achilles heel of mine. This is something that's always uh th- this has just been something that I've struggled with, right? And this is this is not this is not something that's been easy for me. So this is something that I'm learning and I'm studying and I'm growing with you in real time, okay? So before we get to the topic, let's let's kind of start it off this way and I hope that this can introduce it well. Do you guys remember back in the day This pretty much started, I wouldn't say elementary school, let's, let's, let's go, let's go middle school, right? Like seventh, sixth grade ish. You remember from middle school to high school to college, and then even after college, maybe even, uh, you know, graduate stuff, there were group projects. And I I hated group projects, right? I I did not like group projects. And it's not for the fact that I don't like working with people and I can't work with people and that I don't have the ability to work with people. I can do those things. I'm doing that now. But the reason why I hated group projects was you would have one, two, three, four, five people in your group and that project would be like 30, 40% of your grade and remember with those projects, you had to stand up in front of everybody and each person in the in the group had to present their part. So if you had groups like mine, inevitably you would have three people, four people that did their part. And then there was always that one. There was always that one guy. You could text, you could call, you could go to his house, you could, you could help him out. You could literally skeleton outline everything he needed to do. He just needed to fill it in and then you hear yeah man i'm working on it yep it's almost done yeah it'll it'll be done by the time it's due and then the day that it's due right he comes into the classroom and you get one of two responses the first response is hey man you you get that you get your part done you know the presentation is due today it's our turn to present that was today <laughs> that, that was today yeah it was today bro yeah it was today yeah we're we're failing today we're failing so you have that response or you have response number two. Yeah, I got it done real quick. I, I literally just got it done before I walked in here. And you look at what he has and it's literally nothing. <laughs> so you're just like, come on, what is going on, right? And so that's why I didn't like group projects because it forced you to be in a position where you had to do two things. No matter how much work you put in, no matter how much work someone else in the other group put in, Essentially because of how the because of how the group project was built, sometimes it I don't I don't want to say it didn't matter what you did, but it, it almost diminished what you did because it's not complete. And so it forced you to do two things. It forced you to number one, it forced you to trust in somebody else outside of you. Right? It forced you to trust in someone else outside of you. And then two, what it did. It forced you to have hope and expectation in someone else's ability and not your ability. And from, I mean, middle school, I've always struggled with that idea of trusting in, in someone else's ability, but also trusting in and hoping in that as well. I've always struggled with that. And for me... I would literally rather for anything, whether it's a group project, whether it's any other project, it doesn't matter what it is. For me, I'd rather take everything on my shoulders and do it all because if I fail, if I don't get it right, then guess what? It's uh, In my eyes, it's a win-win situation because if I fail, then guess what? I'm automatically not doing. Well, if I fail, then I'll just be disappointed in me. Guess what? So then that means – No one else is disappointed in me that I failed. No one else is disappointed that I didn't get it right. No one else, you know, isn't disappointed that I messed up. So guess what? It's just me. So now, in my eyes, I feel like, well, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody else that anybody's connected with. I'm not worried about what anybody else feels about it. I'm just worried about, okay, since I got it wrong, it's just me. So for me, I've never... I've never liked working, and trusting, and having high expectations outside of myself. I've always struggled with that, and so what I'm, what I tell myself, and sometimes what I tell, uh, what I tell myself is, I'm really good at working, right? If if there's anything that I know that I'm really good at is working, right? I just work hard whether that's in school. I mean, I remember I put my head down and I just grinded for years. And next thing I know, my head's up and I've got a master's degree, right? And you know, I'm working and I'm working and I'm working and I'm working. And that's one thing I know I'm good at. That's one thing I know I don't fail at. That's one thing I know that no one will ever be disappointed in me in that. And so in my mind, I say, well, why try anything else? And why involve anything else? And I've always I've always had that mindset. And I think that's that's two-sided. I think it's a blessing because having that work ethic is good. And maybe this sounds like you. I think that's a that's a blessing, but I think it's also a curse. Because in the curse, you automatically don't know how to trust in somebody outside of you and have expectation in someone else outside of who you are. And so in, in our podcast today, we're gonna talk about the topic. Lord, help me to have hope again. And this actually comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We'll get there. But as we kind of explain this conversation and really get in on this, maybe you are like I am. Maybe this, does this sound familiar to where you've done that? And maybe it's not a group project setting like it was in school, but maybe it's something different that's happened in your life. Maybe it's something different, you know, that you've seen or something different that you've gone through. And in your mind, you felt like, well, the best thing that I can do, I'm tired of trusting. I'm tired of having high expectation on this side. So therefore, since I'm already tired of this, then to escape that tiredness, then what I'll do is I'll just overwork myself. So I'll take things that are are in essence good. There's nothing wrong with them. But I'll take education, I'll take my job, I'll take my physical work, I'll take all these other things, and I will distract myself and just go insanely hard for all these things, right? And so then what we we don't realize is that we're already tired from one thing, but we feel like in our minds, if we just do this thing, or these things in unison, if we do these things, then it will make me less tired of these things, but what we don't realize is we're making ourselves more tired from these things too. Maybe that's you. Are are, are we hitting home here? And this this is a mindset, man, that I've had for a long time. And again, I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that we're faulty if we have it, or I'm not saying that you're literally in sin if you have it. But I'm saying this is something that maybe something that's good that you have. Maybe it's something that needs to be adjusted, right? And I think it, it's good to have some of those things, but I think it has to be adjusted to work the correct way for you and to work the correct to the, the correct way when you're following God, if that makes sense, okay? So go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We want to look at, this is kind of cool, we want to look at the three uns of God. What, what are you talking about the uns, the UNs? The three U ends of God. And again, I like to point these things to kind of help you guys maybe to remember these things as you study and as you grow and as we're kind of having this conversation today. So here's why this this verse is insanely popular, and I get why. So Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. So our topic, Lord, teach me how to hope again. But hope is not in this verse. The word isn't, right? So they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? Right. So when we look at Isaiah chapter forty verse thirty-one, waiting on the Lord in 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 every lecture, in every youth thing, in every college thing, in every class, and in, in everything that you've ever heard or that you've ever been to. So if you're if you're waiting on a spouse, you've heard Isaiah forty thirty-one. If you're waiting on a job, you've heard Isaiah forty thirty-one. If you're waiting on finances, you read Isaiah chapter forty verse thirty-one. And I believe in principle. It's correct. Right. I understand the concept of what's always been said. Right. Just wait on the Lord. And if you wait on the Lord, then when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to money, when it comes to all these things, he will renew your strength. He will you will mount up on wings like eagles. Right. I get the principle and I'll never say the principles wrong, but contextually, contextually, I believe it's a little bit more than what we're saying. I think it's way more. So we got to understand some things so we can understand what's going on as we study. So if you're in the gym, if you're walking, if you're studying with us, if you're in the car, whatever you it is, man, we want you to study with us and hone in on us, on the scripture with us and look at Isaiah chapter 40 and, and let's study this together. And I hope that maybe this can kind of help you um, as it's helped me too. because like I said before, like this is a mindset that I've struggled with, right? I've struggled with the idea of trusting in others outside of myself And I've struggled in having expectation in others outside of myself. So sometimes, and maybe this is you. Sometimes what I'll do is when I when I don't, when I start seeing things go left, or at least I feel things going left, then oh well, I shut down. Well, I'll just work. You know, let me just let me just let me just go back to do. I'm just gonna go and do what I'm good at doing, and that's just working. I know I'm good at that. I know I'll never let anybody down doing that. I know no one will ever get hurt by me doing that. I'm just going to work and work and work and work and work. So for me, I just want to stay with my blinders, right? So I don't want to trust in anything else or anyone else outside of me, right? But look at what God calls us to be. Now, before we get into the text, understand that in Isaiah chapter 39, what's happening here is Isaiah is prophesying to the nation that Babylonian captivity was coming right that God's people because of what God's people had done that Babylonian captivity was was coming right this is something that they couldn't stop this is something that would always that was going to be there and this is it's coming right it's coming and so then in Isaiah chapter 40 God begins to explain his attributes to his people understanding that the that doom is coming God begins to comfort his own people by reminding them of who he is throughout this discomfort that's going to that's gonna happen, okay? So then we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 40, but we have to start in verse number 27. So again, like we said, we're going to look at the three uns of God, and here's the first one. God is unfailing, right? So God is literally going to explain reasons to me, right? I'm pointing the fingers to myself. He's going to explain the reasons to me and to you why you should trust in him outside of yourself and why you should have high expectation and why you should have hope in him outside of what you can do and how hard you can work and how you can put things together, right? So let's go. Verse 27, Isaiah chapter 40. Why do you say, oh, Jacob, which again, this is Israel's name, right? Why do you say, oh, Jacob, and you speak, oh, Israel? Why do you say this? My way is hidden from the Lord. Isn't that interesting as we break that down? Isn't it interesting that we say that too? The reason why we don't trust, the reason why we don't have high expectations is for some reason along the line or somewhere along the line, we felt as if the Lord you're not looking, God. You just if if you saw Things, if if you were, if you were here, if you were a part of my life, you would have let things happen. You would have let things go this way or go this way or go this way or go this way. But God, you just did nothing. So you didn't see, you didn't see my way. You know, you ever see little kids when they when they get something, whether it's a toy or or a video game, whatever it is, and they have something that seems insanely regular to you. Right. Very regular. There, there's there's some some kids here that they have water bottles like this. Right. And they put stickers. Right. All on their water bottles, which this is where this sticker came from. Right. So they put stickers on their water bottle. And so I've seen that water bottle literally a thousand times. Right. It's, so it's regular to me. But then they put a new sticker on it. And then look 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 this is this is great look at this sticker look at this sticker this is new this is this this is what this is this is where I got it isn't this great this is so <laughs> this is so cool and in my mind I'm like yeah it's it's cool I I like it but you know it's interesting when a a child wants to get your attention they'll keep saying your name over and over because they don't want you to think that that you don't see so it doesn't matter if you're in a conversation with somebody. It doesn't matter if you're doing something super important. They will stop you until you see what they want you to see. And sometimes we feel like as we're the children of God, sometimes we feel like we were those kids. That we were we were tugging at, at God's at God's Him. We were we were we were there tugging on his leg. We were there reaching out to him. We were there praying to him. We were there crying out to him. And we want it, God, look, please look, please look, please see what's happening. Please, I've been praying about this. I just want you to see what's going on. And sometimes, like we do with children, we feel as if God said, well, I'm just too busy for you. I've got other people more important to handle than you. This thing that you're showing me is really not that important to me. And so we feel as if, just like that child that walks away disappointed, we walk away disappointed because God you just didn't look. So guess what Israel's saying? This impending doom of Babylon coming, we need to cry out to God. And as we're crying out to God, God, you just have hidden your way from us. You just don't you just not looking at what's happening in our lives. Isn't that interesting that that's where we get So then when we get to that point in our lives where we feel like my way is hidden from the lord isn't it interesting by that time we get into our lives isn't that the time where again i can only speak for me but you can speak for you isn't it that point of time when we begin to start to take over you know what okay fine you know what cool i accept that i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do what i know i can do and i'm just gonna work forget everything else I'm just going to stay focused, I'm staying locked in, and I'm just going to do what I know I can do. I can do what I know I'm good at and forget everything, literally forget everything else. Israel can get to that point, and have you gotten to that point where you feel as if the Lord didn't pull through for you, Feels like the Lord wasn't there for you, feels like the Lord didn't see it. I get it. You feel like your way has been hidden from him. It's real, man. I, I understand that. So let's look at what the text keeps saying. My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim, the the thing that I wanted to present to you, my just claim is passed over. You ever see, you ever see sometimes those uh and this is kind of court language here. This is you know, you ever seen cases where things are just dismissed? Well, I didn't even get a chance to to state my claim. Nope. it's, It's just dismissed. So we feel as if we have this case before God and we come to God and we want God to understand how we feel. We want God to understand you know, what you've gone through. You want God to understand where you want to go. And you have this thing all ready to present to the Lord as your just claim. And you go and you get ready to present your case before God. And before you can open your mouth, God says, you know, specifically for you, you're dismissed you're dismissed. But then you sit in the courtroom as you were waiting, proverbially, and you know, I'm just trying to paint this image. You're sitting in the courtroom. You're just like, you didn't dismiss these other cases. I literally saw you take these cases. You took the three, four, five cases before me. And then you took the cases after me. Why are you dismissing mine? Why are you dismissing mine? So then when you feel like my way is hidden from the Lord, number one, then when you feel like number two, your just claim and what was Israel's just claim, Babylon is coming. So Lord, we're trying to present this case to you that Babylon is coming. My just claim is just passed over. Yeah, this is sorry, you pulled the short straw. Sorry, this is this is what it is. You're just gonna have to accept it. You know, it just is what it is. And so when we have that feeling and when we have that understanding of God, then that's where we feel like, okay, that's fine. I'll just work on my own then. That's fine. Is, it, is that you? I know at times that could be me as well. But again, I'm not saying that that working and, and great and that work ethic quality is bad that you have. But again, this is something that all of us together as we learn, study, and grow together This may be something that has to be adjusted because just like any good thing, any good thing can always go to the extreme. And we don't want something that's good to go to the extreme and take us places that we don't need to go. Okay. So let's keep going. Now, this is God's response as he's talking. Verse 28, have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the things of the earth. Now, notice how Isaiah is presenting God to the nation here. Have you not heard who God is? Do you not know? You need, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. I, I'm going to try to explain this the correct way. Sometimes our understanding of God is based off of what he's what he's done or has not done for you. Case in point, let's give this example. Let's say I have a friend named uh Bob, right? And me and Bob are cool, me and Bob have always been friends. But let's say there's been a there's been a, a couple months where I've let Bob down, right? I haven't I haven't, you know, been the friend that I needed to be to Bob. I wasn't there when Bob needed me you know, I should have been, you know, let's just say I fail Bob, right? How do you think Bob would view me seeing that I failed him? He would view me just a little bit different. He would view me just a little bit different, wouldn't he? And so sometimes our view of God is just like that. God, seemingly, you haven't done X, Y, and Z, and it feels like you won't do X, Y, and Z, so therefore my My view of you is different because you haven't provided and you haven't given. But notice what Isaiah is trying to tell the people. God said Babylonian captivity is coming. So therefore, in their minds, God, you've passed over us. God, you don't care. If you would care, you would protect and you wouldn't let this happen. But notice, God is not always just about what he can give or take away. God is constant. But a lot of times we put our human attributes on God. So if if you have a friend that you didn't give something to or you didn't take away, sometimes they can view you different, and I get it because that's how we as humans think. But sometimes we put our human attributes on God. Well, God, therefore, hasn't given this or God hasn't taken this pain away from you so therefore, this is how God feels, because he didn't give or he didn't take away. Whether God gives or whether he takes away, what did Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So now, what is, what is, what is Isaiah trying to teach the people here? Have you not heard about him, and do you not know who he truly is? You think... Because he's allowing Babylonian captivity that he's failed you, that he's forgotten you, and that he has passed over you. You think because God hasn't given you X, God hasn't given you Y, and God hasn't given you Z, and God has allowed you to see things and go through things, and seemingly God doesn't care and he doesn't do anything, then what do you think about God right now? God doesn't care. God's never cared. And God's passed me up. So in your minds, you might be thinking just like Israel's thinking right now. You might be thinking just like Israel. But notice how Isaiah describes him in verse 28. God is everlasting. He is the Lord. And he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And and sometimes, guys, it I don't want to say it doesn't matter. But whether the Lord gives you things or whether he takes things away, the Lord is still who he is. It does not mean that because he's given you something or because he's taken something away, it does not mean that the Lord is not good. The Lord is the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that is always going to be unfailing. He will never fail you. So what Isaiah is doing to me and to you, he's trying to build up your trust of why you should think about God and think outside of yourself and have your hope and expectation outside of yourself into this being that does things unfailing. He's trying to convince us. And sometimes as humans, and I know sometimes we all do, sometimes we need convincing that the Lord cares Sometimes we need convincing. And sometimes uh, the way that your life goes, sometimes you can convince yourself, the Lord doesn't care, man. He just doesn't. Like if he would, I just don't get it, man. If he would care, he at least would help in some way, right? So look at this. He's a creator of the ends of the earth, verse 28. Then watch this. He neither faints. And he's neither weary. Isn't that amazing? You know, I heard a quote uh, a while back. It was kind of cool. It says that, and and when I say man here, I mean mankind. The quote went like this: "Mankind, mankind fails each other." And he said, "The best of us is still a man." Mankind fails one another, and the best of us is still a man, still mankind. You know, there's people in your life, and every person that you know and that you'll ever know, we're all going to fail each other somehow. We're all going to disappoint each other somehow. We all just won't meet the mark somehow. And when that happens, sometimes when that happens constantly, we get tired of each other. You guys ever you, ever, you know, you have a friend that you talk to or somebody that comes and talks to you. And they talk to you kind of about the same issue over and over and over and over and over. They may bring it up in different ways, but essentially it's the same thing. Sometimes even as humans and those that genuinely care, sometimes you're just like, man, I'm kind of even the best of us. You know, I'm just I'm just kind of tired of hearing about it kind of tired of hearing about the same thing over and over and over. But it's, Isaiah is reminding the people, God never gets tired, but but the best of us do. God never gets tired and he never gets weary. He's unfailing. So if he will never fail you, if he's not slack concerning his promises, as other men count slackness, if if he can't lie, if he is just 1 John, if he's faithful, 1 John chapter 1, if he's all these things, why would you not take everything inside of you and trust him? Even though you know that this, this impending doom is coming, why would you not trust him during this time? you know, I think that's one of the hardest things for us to remember is when you're in the midst of a storm, right? And if y'all, and again, we read that, you know, when we read storms and when we read, you know, people were on the sea and there was a storm. When you're in the midst of a storm, whether it's like a spiritual storm, but like a physical one too, when you're in the midst of a storm, you kind of forget what you need to remember sometimes. And as you're in the midst of that storm, Sometimes it's hard to think outside of yourself, and it's hard to think that God cares because you can only see what you can see. But isn't it interesting in Habakkuk chapter 2, Galatians, other scriptures, the just shall live by faith. Romans, Romans 1, Romans 2, the just shall live by their faith. God is unfailing, guys. And I tell, I've told my friends over the years, I've told other people over the years, I'm going to fail you. And it's gonna happen, right? I'm gonna fail you, whether intentionally or unintentionally, it's gonna happen. But God never will. God will never fail you. He never he never will. And I think sometimes we don't know how to trust, we don't know how to trust in God. Because we feel like we're failing him. Or we feel like we have failed him. And so because we feel like we failed him or we have failed him, he can't accept. He can't accept me. The Lord deserves better. Lord deserves better than me. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my thing. Lord deserves better than me. He never gets tired of you. He never gets wearied of you. Sometimes we can get weary of each other, but he never, he's unfailing. And I think that's such an encouraging thing for you guys to hear, for me to hear, right? He's never failing. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So he's, God is unfailing, right? Then number two, notice what else God is. It literally, it's literally from verse 28. God is understanding and his understanding is unsearchable. The text literally says that his understanding is unsearchable. You know that just that blows my mind every time. His understanding is unsearchable. The way that he makes things move in this world. The way that he moves us and the way that he puts people in certain places in your life when you needed them, the way that he takes things, the way that he moves things, the way that he allows things to come in and come out and he moves us. Right, and and I'm not saying moves us in, we don't have we don't have control, or move us in we don't have free moral agency. I'm not saying that, but when I say he moves us, the way that the Lord can provide things and people, it's it's unreal, it's unreal, and we literally cannot explain it. We literally it's it's unsearchable. There's nothing. There's no way we can explain it. So think about it from God's perspective. What is the only thing that God's people see right now? Doom, destruction, horrendous terrible things are about to happen because Babylonia, a terrible nation, is coming in to overtake them because of what we've done. That's all we see. Now, does God see that? Absolutely He sees what's happening, but God sees so much farther ahead than where they see God just wants them to trust in him. and when you look at when you look at scripture, When you look at Job, when you look at here in Isaiah, when you look at Abram, God gave pieces of evidence to people, and he wanted people just to trust him. God may not have told them the whole thing. God may not have told them the whole story of what was about to happen. But God just wanted to build trust in him. And I think that's something that personally I lack because you only see what you see. Or you only see what you have seen. And so to trust even in God outside of myself and outside of your own understanding, it's so hard, man. It's really, really hard. And I'm just being honest with you. It's really hard. It's really hard because you only see what you see. And so in your human thinking... You're trying to rack your brain and you're trying to think, how can God make this work? How can God make things connect? Why would God just let this keep happening? Why Why is this going? Why is that going? I don't know, right? It's unsearchable. But the way that he works is just, its just. It, I need to show you all something real quick. This is great. I saw this today. I was taking a class on this the other day. Look at, uh, we'll go back here to Genesis real quick or not Genesis, we'll go back to, uh, to Isaiah, but let's go, let's go to Genesis and, um, oh man, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter, I believe it's 15. Let me double check here. Oh no, 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 no. Genesis chapter, uh, 20, 21, 16. I was so close. Genesis 16. This is, this is crazy. Okay. So Remember, God's ways and his understanding is unsearchable. So sometimes the way that God works and what he allows and what he just lets in your mind just to be okay, it doesn't make sense, right? So remember with Abraham or Abram and Sarai at the time. So remember when they couldn't have, they weren't having children yet. God said you would have a son, Genesis chapter 12, but nothing's happened yet. So then Sarai tells Abram that it might be that you might go into Hagar, my, ma- my maidservant, and you might have children by her. Maybe that's God's plan because nothing's happening. So Abram goes in, sleeps with Hagar. Hagar Hagar is pregnant with Ishmael at this time in Genesis 16. She's pregnant with him. He's not born yet. So then watch what happens. This is crazy. His ways or his understanding is unsearchable. So look at what happens here. So verse five, um, or verse four. So he went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she conceived, her, mit- her mistress despised in her eyes. So Sarah didn't like it. So it was her idea, but Sarah didn't even like her own idea, all right? Then verse, verse uh, five, then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid unto you to embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. You want to talk about a woman that's kind of forgotten in Scripture? Remember a maid servant at the time. And again, it was projected that she was Egyptian. A maidservant at the time, you have no authority. At the time, you're, you're essentially a slave. And at the time, you're a woman. So nothing's going well for Hagar at all. Nothing's going well for her at all. And so then Abram comes in, sleeps with her. She conceives. And now Ishmael is within her. Then she gets kicked out because Sarai doesn't like her. She's despised. So then watch what happens. Uh, Verse number seven. Now an angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness. Verse eight. And he said to Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going? (laughs) Isn't that interesting? What did God say in Isaiah chapter 40? Why do you say that I don't see where you're going? Why do you say that I don't see your way? (laughs) Isn't it cool? Okay, let's keep going. Then he says this. She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. So what was Israel mentally trying to do with Babylon? We're running away. I don't want this to happen. I don't want this impending doom to happen. What are you doing in your life right now? I've seen too much. My just claim was passed over by God. Nothing's happening. I can't think outside of myself. I'm just going to do things on my own because I'm, I'm, I have a fear of failure. So therefore, I'm running away from something. I'm running away from something, right? Verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her. What's the next word, y'all? This is crazy. Return. What? So would you tell your friend? who was literally hated by somebody, that they need to go back. I wouldn't tell somebody that. I'm, t- I'm being honest. I wouldn't tell somebody that that today. Yeah, you need to go back. No, I'm not going back. What are you talking about? The angel of the Lord said, yeah, the person that despised you, the person that hates you, the person that treated you harshly, the person that kicked you out, yeah, go back. What? <laughs> what? So think about what Israel's saying. Babylon's coming. There's nothing that you can do because of what King Hezekiah did, chapter thirty-nine. Babylon's coming. There's nothing you can do. What? There's nothing I can do. Sometimes what God, what God presents in front of you, it doesn't make sense. And because it doesn't make sense, and in our minds, literally because it's opposite of what you think He would say, God, did, I can't accept that. No, 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 no. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that, God. That's ridiculous. I'm not doing it. So then because it doesn't make sense to you, then we'll flee and we'll run and we'll go do something that makes sense to us. So do you see how Israel and Hagar and us were in the same position? But what did did Isaiah say? His understanding and the way that he views things is unsearchable. Hey, Garcia, seeing that right now, and Israel's going to see that, and you are going to see that. Watch this. Return to your mistress, verse nine, and not only return to her. What do you want me to do? And submit yourself to her hand. Oh, okay, okay, God. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. Do you understand what she said? You understand what they did? Not. Nah. First of all, you want me to go back, and then two, you want me to submit myself. No, nope, nope. I I will never submit to another person. I will never do it. No, I'm not doing that. What is God telling Israel in Isaiah chapter 40? Babylon's coming, and you're going to have to submit to them. What? No. What did Jesus tell us, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7? Love your enemies. What? Nope, can't do it. Nope. God, that doesn't make sense. It's not right. You don't know what people have said. You don't know what people have done. Nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And when we get to that point, guys, when we read something in Scripture and when God tells us to do something and then it doesn't make sense for us to do it, we'll do the opposite of what God is telling us to do because it doesn't make sense. But here's something that's been kind of crazy, and I'm not saying that I have this down pat because I don't, but sometimes when things don't make sense, that's when you actually start need to do that's when you actually start needed to to do what he said but i think too many times with god we wait for things to make sense before we do something but sometimes his way it's it's unsearchable so think about all the things that happened in the old testament hey abram genesis chapter 12 leave your house leave your kindred leave everything leave your land which was important at that time leave all these things and go somewhere that i'll tell you that doesn't make sense. So what if Abram would have sat there and waited for God to make sense? Hagar, I want you to return back to your mistress that hated you and deal with you harshly. And um, I want you to submit to her. God, that doesn't make sense. So until it makes sense, God, I'm not going to do anything. You see, I think that may be a move. and Not in all cases. Again, do things in prayer and do things prayerfully. But when things don't make sense, that's when God is trying to make it make sense through faith. And that might be a time where you actually might have to act. But I think myself included because I try to be when I make a decision and when I try to go somewhere or do something or reach a certain goal or have a certain aspiration in my life, I try to make things I try to make things as clear as possible. I try to research it I try to because I don't want to fail at it right no matter I don't care what it is I don't want to fail and I w- I just don't want to fail at at doing whatever and so until something makes a hundred percent sense to me most times I won't move most time, and I in my mind I'd rather wait than just go now. I'm not saying that this is this is license for you to just do stuff and just go off the I'll go off the handle. Okay. Oh well, well, but doesn't make sense. So I'm just gonna go for it. But but what I mean when it doesn't make sense, it seems almost I shouldn't be loving my enemy right now. I shouldn't be submitting right now. I shouldn't be going back there right now. And this is why. Again, and we're gonna we're gonna hit this. I want you to see it. I'm getting too ahead of myself. Verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they will not be counted for multitude. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, you're with child, you'll bear a son, you'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. Isn't it interesting that the Lord heard her affliction, but he tells her to go back to it? Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we think, well, Lord, you're not hearing my affliction because you're not taking it away. Just because God didn't take something away doesn't mean he's not hearing it. But think about what he did to Hagar. I've heard your affliction, and I'm literally putting you back in it. So, God, how are you hearing me if you're taking me and putting me back in something that was actually worse? I'm trying to run away from this, and you're trying to put me in it. So what's, what's, what's God doing with Israel? I'm taking you in a situation and I'm putting you in something worse. But guess what? I hear your affliction. It's very interesting. Notice verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. Hmm. The Lord has heard your affliction and you are the God that sees it, but you put me back in it. Just because God has you in affliction doesn't mean he doesn't see it. And for the longest time in my human thinking and maybe in your human thinking, if you've got yourself, if you've got a friend, if you've got someone else in trouble and you know they're in trouble but you do nothing about it, what do you think they're going to think about you? Why didn't you do anything? We're friends, right? Why weren't you, you did, you did nothing. Just because God seemingly does nothing doesn't mean he's not hearing it and doesn't mean that he doesn't see it. The, Psalm, the psalmist writer says that the Lord has his tears in a bottle. He remembers those things. You have those nights where you, you cried. You have those nights where you were by yourself. And you shed those tears in your closet. You shed those tears in your room. And no one was ever there to see it. God's got your tears in a bottle. And he remembers those things. When seemingly everybody else seemed to have forgotten. You're the God who sees it. So think about how Hagar's perspective has changed now even though God is putting her back in the situation that she's running from. Man. Okay, that's the, so then this is the first time this happens. Quickly, though, I want to show you the second time. Look at Genesis 21. Genesis 21. Now remember, at this time, Ishmael's already born, right? Now Isaac is born in Genesis chapter 21, so Ishmael and Isaac are both born. But now... Sarah wants her gone again. So what did God say in in earlier in chapter 16? Hey, I want you to go back. Then she goes back. Then after she goes back, then what does Sarah want? Now I want you out again. (laughs) God, I I can't win for losing, God. I keep, I was there. This wasn't even my choice. I'm a slave. I have a child by this man. His wife doesn't like me. His wife kicks me out. The angel of the Lord speaks to me and says, hey, I want you to go back to the same situation that you came out of. Now I'm back in that situation, and now the same person that I want to change doesn't change, and they hate me more, and they kick me out again. What? His understanding is unsearchable. Let's keep going. Watch what happens. Uh, Verse number 14. So Abram rose up early in the morning. And he took bread and a skin of water, and he put it on her shoulder, and he, gave, and he gave it and the boy to Hagar, and he sent her away. And she departed, and she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, dehydrated. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. So think about Hagar's situation. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Now I have this son, and now this son is going to die out here. And I don't, notice what she says, verse 16. She went and sat down across from him a distance about a bow shot. For she said to herself, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see the death of my boy. So she sat opposite of him. So they were so dehydrated. He was so dehydrated. She, I don't even, I've been through so much, man. I'm a slave. I, I don't even want to see my son die. I, I just don't even want to see it. You ever say that to God? God, things have been so rough, man. I just, I'm dehydrated. I'm wandering in the wilderness. I'm done. I just, and you get to the point where you don't even want to see it anymore. I just, I'm done. I'm done. Verse 17, then God heard the voice of the lad. Didn't God hear her voice earlier in 16? So whose voice did he hear as well? He heard Ishmael's. God heard the voice of the lad and called the Hagar out of heaven and said, what ails you or what hurts you? <laughs> Isn't that a, a kind of cool phrase? Isn't that comforting? You ever see a, a child with his mother and the child, I mean, it could be, it could be something really big that the child got hurt or the child literally just fell <laughs> walking, walking down the street or whatever. But then the mom, Mostly, sometimes the dad's like, "Oh, he's fine, <laughs> he's good, right?" But then the mom is like, "No, wh- what's wrong? What's wrong?" Right? She's showing care. God is like, "What's wrong?" You know, that's what God is saying to you today. What ails you? What's wrong? Fear not, for God has heard. God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise and lift up the lad and, and hold him with your hand, and I'll make him a great nation. Then watch what God does, verse nineteen. Then God opened her eyes, and then she saw a well of water. Is't that interesting that phrase God opened up her eyes you know god God does that's an- inter- and we might do this on a podcast. God says that a lot. God opened up their eyes. God opened their eyes. God opened his eyes. Remember, I think it's 2nd Kings chapter 9. Um, I want to double check for you because I want you <laughs> I want you to see this. I think it's 2nd Kings chapter 9, but I believe it's it's with it's with Elisha. And Elisha tells his servant, Lord, please open his eyes. Let me look that up. Please open his eyes. Elisha. I think that's 2nd Kings. There it is. 2nd Kings 6. So at the time there was a nation that was coming towards Israel. And Elisha's servant said, Look, we're surrounded. There's nothing we can do. And then the Elisha literally prayed. Uh, Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. O Lord, please open his eyes so that he might see. And the the eyes, the, the lad's eyes were open, and he saw angels. And he saw things, the things that he saw was great. He saw the hills literally full of horses and chariots around Elisha. And Elisha said, there's more with us than there is with them. But isn't it interesting that what was there was already there? But his eyes had to be open to see what was already there. Hagar, she's there in the wilderness. Uh, Her son's about to die. God opens up her eyes and the well that wasn't there is there now. So for you, his ways, his understanding is unsearchable. In your affliction, in your pain, in what God hasn't seemingly taken you out of. Here's what's insanely ridiculous about this. Your solution may not be outside of the pain. Your solution might be in it, but you can't see it. So what should we be praying? Lord, please open my eyes to see what I need to see. Lord, please help me. Help me to help my perspective. Help me to see what you want me to see in this. Yeah, we're doing a podcast on that. I had to mention that, though, right? I had to mention that. So going back to Isaiah chapter 40 as we close this out, (laughs) this study's been great. All right, Isaiah chapter 40. Let's go back real quick. So his ways is are is unfailing. His understanding is unsearchable, right? So Hagar's situation, Abram's situation, your situation, Israel's situation doesn't make sense, does it? Nope. Doesn't make sense at all. But the solution was already there. Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 6. But it was there. It was there. And it might be already here for you. All right. So then here's the third one. Knowing all this, that God is unfailing, that his understanding is unsearchable, means that God is unstoppable. Watch this. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth will faint and be weary. The young men will utterly fall. Again, the context of Babylonian captivity. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their, you know what renew means? It means to transfer over. So you transfer everything over from you to God. (laughs) It's crazy. So they that wait upon the Lord. So waiting here doesn't mean just waiting on your thumbs. Waiting here literally means what we've been talking about this whole time. Waiting in in the Hebrew here, it means to trust and have a high expectation of. So teach me how to hope again. I'm going to have hope and trust and have a high expectation that God is going to help me with something that seems unstoppable. But he is unstoppable. Because even though this doesn't make sense, he does. So I'm not going to trust in the thing that doesn't make sense. I'm going to trust in the person that does make sense. The God that does make sense. Then they will mount up on wings with eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How was your expectation? So as we close, like I said that, that example before, my expectation to those people in those group projects, I had none. So therefore, because I had no expectation for them, I wanted more put on me. Because I didn't want to trust and have expectation that somebody else was going to pull through. So now, guess what? I still have. I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to have trust in others. Sometimes I don't want to have a high expectation of others. Why? Because I want to trust that I'll pull through. Guess what that is, though? That's pride. That's pride. And that's got to be removed. So from God's perspective, what does he want out of me? What does he want out of you? At some point in this life, you're going to have to, myself included, I'm going to have to learn and learning. And we're going to have to learn together to trust in somebody outside of ourselves. But guess what happens? Here's signs, and just being honest with you guys, here's some signs that we don't trust in God the way that we need to. God, I just can't, I I can't fail. God, if I fail at this, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I can't lose this. God, if I lose this, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, if I, God, so therefore, since I don't want to fail at this thing, I don't want to lose at this thing, I don't want to get this right, I don't want to get this wrong, therefore, I'm going to find ways to make this work. I'm going to find ways to have more answers. I'm going to find ways to, see what I'm saying? Guess what that's a sign of? That's a sign that I don't have a high expectation in God. That's a sign that I'm trusting too much in myself and what I can figure out. Guys, I I understand the feeling of having things in your life slip. And because you don't, want, you don't want that job opportunity to slip, you don't want this financial opportunity to slip, you don't want these things to slip out of your hands. So because you don't want it to slip, you try to grab it and hold it longer. Man, sometimes, man, it's you're going to have to trust God. And I can't say what that looks like in every situation. But what I can say and what I'm learning and studying and growing to do It's just to trust God. And I don't know how it looks. I don't know how it's supposed to look. I don't know how God wants it to look. I don't know. And I I wish I could help you out more and and let you know, hey, this is how it's going to look for you. This is what God wants to do for you. This is how I can't. But what we can do is I can have a high expectation on the one who's unstoppable even though impending doom is coming or impending doom is already here. So in Israel's case, it's coming. And in Israel's case, it's going to be there for a while. But God said, I want you to trust. And those that trust me, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, because they find themselves in the same situation there, those that trust me, the just they will live by faith in me, not what's here, not what's coming, and not what's left. they'll trust in me. teach me how to trust again man I hope that can I hope that can help you man I got a lot of work to do on that man it's it's hard for me i got I got a lot of work to do on that to trust God more um And I think that comes more with just knowing more of his character through the years. Um, And I'm still, I'm not there, man. I'm not there and and I'm still working on this and the Lord's still working on me. And I know the Lord's still working on you too. So I I can't wait to keep learning, studying and growing with you. So appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Um, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the things that we've got there. Want to be a help to you guys. Want to encourage you guys throughout your week. So check those things out. And Lord willing, we'll be back with another podcast on Monday. Thanks, guys.